Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we hear from the change agents making Tulsa and the world a more vibrant and inclusive place. I'm your chief philanthropod, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod, Chris Miller. And today, our guests are Chris Siemens and Evan Taylor from the Tulsa Advocates for the Protection of Children, an organization which, by the time you hear this podcast, will have a new name. We talked to Chris and Evan about the new Fostering Connections rebranding for TAPC. We also talked about the importance of fostering and putting the child first, both in language and in action. Finally, we talk about how you can help, even if you aren't called to be a foster parent. Enjoy and get involved. We are very excited to have Chris Siemens and Evan Taylor from the Tulsa Advocates for the Protection of Children on the podcast today. Chris, Evan, hello. Hello. First off, I believe today is June 11th. On June 12th, you are all going to have a big announcement. Do you want to talk about that? We are. So June 12th is our official name change, Big Reveal Day. We are planning on changing our name on Facebook, through Facebook Live, uh, changing our name to Fostering Connections. Fostering Connections from the Tulsa Advocates for the Protection of Children. Yes. Which, as we discussed many times, is a hard name to remember. It is. And doesn't specifically say what it is you all do. Exactly. Yeah, Fostering Connections, it speaks more to what we do in the foster care community, how we help the families and the children that we serve in foster care in Tulsa and contiguous counties. And it just makes it easier to remember, speaks more to our brand and our mission. And it just gives us a an updated, fresh look, and we have a new logo to go along with it. That is that's exciting. I mean, new things are always exciting. And I know this is something that you all have been working on for quite some time. I would like to talk about what TAPC did, but I also know that Fostering Connections is going to be tweaking some of what TAPC did. So why don't you walk us through like what, what Fostering Connections is going to do that's different from the organization that exists at this particular moment? <laughs> so as of today, TAPC, Tulsa Advocates for the Protection of Children, is only really on one social media channel actively. We are currently on Facebook. When we turn over to Fostering Connections, we will be accessible on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Evan's done a really good job in getting all those lined up ready to to get started for us, um, to get active more out there in the social world, to help connect people, especially now that we're going through the, the COVID experience. And we're also launching a new mobile resource center. So we're purchasing a a box truck or a large van. We haven't really narrowed it down yet, but that will give us the opportunity to go out to rural areas that surround Tulsa and visit the families that aren't really able to come to us to get the items that they need to care for the child in their home or actually to to meet the the necessities that the child in their home needs, such as like clothing and diapers and car seats and everything that a child would need upon immediate placement. And then once a month thereafter. So I I think one thing to just kind of take a step back, just talking about foster care in general, I'll just say there's been some interesting depictions of foster care in uh, pop culture. So can you talk a little bit about what you see as the purpose of foster care and why it's so important? Well, I have been a foster parent for about 20 years, and I've seen so much through the system. I've met so many biological parents who 
have the child's best interest at heart and whether that is remaining in the home with them or they realize that a they love the child enough to where they can't take care of the child in their own home and they go ahead and relinquish their rights and allow them to be adopted by a foster family. I I feel like the most important piece about the child or about providing a foster home for the child is to making sure that child is safe, secure, stable, healthy. There are a lot of experiences that the child has gone through and has been extremely traumatized who knows how many times, many times over before they were actually removed from the home. And our job as foster parents is to minimize additional trauma and to help the child address what current trauma has been, they've been exposed to and to help them get the the help that they need in order to move forward to be as successful as they can be. And you've referenced pop culture and how foster care is depicted and I mean, unfortunately, some of what you see is true. I've seen children come in the door with PJs on that they've worn for two days, unbathed, unshowered, uncomfortable, just really shy and just just not sure of anything. They can't trust anybody. So I've seen that and I've seen kids come in that literally have a trash bag full of belongings. And I've seen my personal experience, I've seen a baby come to me with a, not even a full onesie, just a shirt. He was nine months old with a shirt and one sock. And that's all he came with. Came to me at three o'clock in the morning. I didn't have formula. I didn't have really any any baby appropriate foods. I ended up mashing up a banana before I could get to the store to get some formula, but I didn't have diapers. So you just never know. And it's As a foster parent, you don't get that nine months planning period of getting everything set up, planning, naming, don't know what age you're going to end up getting. You you just don't know. So it's just a whole different world. It's just a different experience from what I could imagine being a, a biological parent and a foster parent. So which came first? Was it your experience fostering or was it working with this organization, TAPC? Fostering. I, as a young girl, I, I did not want to give birth. I decided as a child that I just didn't want to go through that experience. It wasn't something that I just had to have. I, I always wanted to adopt and crazy turn of health events. And I had to adopt if I wanted children. So I'm not able to have biological children. So we decided instead of going the private adoption route, we decided to go ahead and look into foster care. And like I said, that was about 20 years ago. I've been involved as a foster parent much longer than I've been involved in even the nonprofit world, working with any with the youth in any capacity. A, a question for, for Evan, who is you're now in sort of your one month time with Tapsy slash Fostering Connections. I know from your past work, you have you have been a, a pastor, you have run a church, you're very involved in sort of the social justice world in Tulsa. How have you found just helping people versus your past jobs? This has been a, a wild and wonderful ride this past month. Um, jumping on board and immediately going in full, full force with a name change, branding, all those different things. 
it's been wonderful. In the past, as a minister of a church and in a denomination, sometimes I felt kind of restricted in the work I could do uh, because in order to get funding or in order to get different things, there was always that restriction of faith. And joining on with Fostering Connections, it just has opened a whole new world. And my goal as the community engagement director is really just to bring awareness to this and the work they did. We adopted our oldest through DHS at 17, and I wish I would have known about TAPSI and Fostering Connections. I wish I would have known that they were there because uh, very similar circumstances, but needing school uniforms, ASAP, and not having the financial resources to get the exact pleated skirt color of the school colors and all these different things that really would have made a big difference in my life and so and the life of my oldest daughter. I'm wanting people to be just more aware that it's there and what they do. And it's just been a great ride to be able to, to share that, hey, there's this group in Tulsa. We're doing big things. You may have never heard of us, but we're here. And it's not just for foster parents. It's for people in the community who have a desire to help children. And anyone who has a desire to help children needs to know about Fostering Connections. Oh, I think especially now there is a, I think a greater sense of the trauma of just living. If you are in a, in certain situations or of uh, certain backgrounds or ethnicities and in all those cases, it's usually children who don't get the most attention because they don't ha- normally have advocates for them. Right. And you look at Chris and I sort of phrased pod for good to people as a way of drawing, drawing attention to the great work being done in Tulsa and around the world, depending on who we're interviewing. And especially with your organization, like I want to let people know there's a multitude of ways they can help. They don't just have to become foster parents. There are, there are resources they can donate. If they've had kids themselves, there are things they no longer use that Tapsley slash fostering connections needs. Can you, can you give us sort of like a, a rundown of things that you help foster families and foster children with that people could, could help you with? I'm sure the, our biggest need probably right now are just items for children. We're always needing formula, diapers, nicely used small pieces of furniture, cribs, clothing, school uniforms, stuff like that. We're doing actually right now, we're working on a summer drive for outdoor activities like pool noodles and life jackets and swimming goggles and water games and little sand buckets, stuff like that, that children can get outside and enjoy. And one thing that we've, and I, I guess this is a good place to insert this, we're really trying to refocus our donations on good quality items. We, of course, accept used items. We want them gently used. If your child wouldn't wear it, don't send it to us. <laughs> if it has a big stain on the front, I mean, that's there's kind of a mentality within fostering and other nonprofits I know that something's better than nothing. But when you're talking about the attitude and the the warmth of a child who's might have been shifted around to two or three different homes in a matter of weeks, a matter of years. To have good quality, nice things helps them and makes them feel more at home and more relaxed with the environment that they're in. So what you're saying is don't donate those like shirts that um, after like a team loses a Super Bowl and (laughs) they have all those shirts. Yes. You you don't want those. We don't want those. I mean, (laughs) we appreciate the sentiment and we know people just want to help. And we know that people want to do that. But when it comes in reality, we don't want just like secondhand dirty, stained, worn out shoes, stuff like that. I mean, 
And it, and it also takes a huge amount of work from our staff and volunteers to sort through all these items. We're actually asking folks right now to come pick up bags of items that all they need to be do is sorted into wearable and not wearable and good quality, not good quality, and moving on from that. And, that, and that's true with a lot of nonprofits all over, but especially with foster children, we want them to feel as comfortable as they can in what they're wearing, the games they're playing, and all the other activities that we provide for them. I'm going to be a little nitpicky right now. We prefer person first language, so children in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry, call you guys out there. Um, <laughs> no, like that—that's important. Like again, that's something. Again, I, I've been in uh, people first language trainings multiple times, and I still mess up. No, that's important. Like it's it's the worst thing that has happened to someone shouldn't be their defining trait, mm-hmm. right? And these these are children, and they want what children always want, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things, Chris, you told me about that like still affects me to this day is like the fact that they don't have a lot of things that are theirs is one of the reasons like having the resource center that you have set up as a store and having your Christmas event so that these children in foster care can get presents that are theirs, like how important that is. Like that is something that would not occur to someone who is from a middle-class family who's always gotten birthday presents and Christmas slash Hanukkah presents, right? That's You don't realize how important those things are because those things are yours. Mm-hmm. Right. And Jesse, and like, I believe a conversation that you and I had led to me doing this research. And what I have found is that there's approximately a $20 a day discrepancy between what the reimbursement rate is for a child in foster care living in a foster home and what it is to raise a typical child in the U.S. And that that's huge. And not to say that a typical child doesn't have any other needs or or any other health concerns or anything, the child in foster care most likely will need to have therapy appointments, additional doctor appointments, visits with bio families, things like that, that that it really takes the money out of the pocket of the foster parents to provide a lot of these things for because the reimbursement rate is so low. So that's where we really pride ourselves in coming into play is we have those items to help with that discrepancy. It may not be $20 a day worth of items, but it still helps. I mean, it could be a couple of packages of diapers to get him through the first week or a couple jars of formula or something, a car seat and things like that, that can really relieve the foster families. And that way we, we acknowledge the foster families are doing the best that they can. And we are, we're in it with them to help provide for the children in care. To kind of piggyback on what Evan was saying about about how people can help us or if they're not able to foster, how they can give. Some other ways that I, I suggest to people is obviously volunteering with us. We always need volunteers, whether it's stuffing envelopes. We get a lot of baby dolls in and we get a lot of baby doll outfits, but they don't necessarily all match. So we have youth come in and they, they play with the dolls. They get them dressed. They do their hair. It's a really a fun time for them. We have people go through age appropriate and I can't think of the other word I'm trying to say, but age appropriate books for the children to read. We have volunteers that we need for Christmas for kids during that time, which is between November and December. I mean, there, there's, there's all sorts of opportunities within the organization, but just as um, just helping another foster family is huge. When a family gets a child 
in the home, it's not necessarily easy to run out and go to the store. So bringing a foster family dinner, giving them gift cards, offering to babysit, offering to just go out on a walk, letting the the parent nap or things that you would do for a typical family, and I say that in air quotes, but biological family, those are all all nice and great things for foster families to receive as well. It's just, it's, it's viewed differently in culture. So we just want to put that out there that we could use help as well. Well, you mentioned that the, the, the children in foster care often enter foster care without a lot of items. And also, as I'm looking at your old website, I see that Due to like weird federal requirements, foster families don't get reimbursements for the first first few months. Is that is that still is that still the way it is? That can be depending on the time frame and the type of foster family. So if you're a traditional foster family, you go through all the training, and then you are approved for a placement. The reimbursement starts the next month for the previous month, so it's always in arrears. If you're a kinship mm-hmm. family you may already have the child in custody or in your care in your home, but then you go through all the training and you do everything that DHS requires or that the agency that you're working with requires. And it may be several months, like you said, that after you get reimbursed for that child. So you have to be licensed through an agency in order to provide a home um, for that, the kinship. So there's, there's different types of foster care. But yeah, I mean, it could be, it, it could definitely put a financial strain on folks, especially now we're, we're talking about during COVID-19, where a lot of families may have been released or furloughed from their, from their jobs. So that definitely affects the income of the families, but there's still that $20 a day disparity. Mm-hmm. So. so speaking of, if, if somebody does want to become a foster parent or would it be parent who fosters, how, how would they get started? I mean, you mentioned there's some training, they, they have to go through a process. So if somebody just who knows very little about the process and wants to get started and wants to start fostering, how would they go about that? So thankfully in Tulsa and even in Oklahoma, we have a variety of agencies that provide resources for foster parents to get the training that they need to become licensed as foster parents so or parents who foster. Normally, what people would do is call DHS, call or the Child Protective Services or whatever it is in their state, whatever it's called, and start there. There are agencies who subcontract in Oklahoma with Oklahoma DHS, and there are private agencies that do support the foster parents. DHS still works on the child end of it, so... They work really closely together, and it's really up to the foster parent on which agency best meets their the family. I ha- we've just decided to go through DHS, and that's what I've always done. And it, it just depends on what works best. But typically, the first call would would be made to DHS to get the information, and they would help guide the conversation from there. How how has that been working during the pandemic? Like, are there people answering the answering the phones at DHS at the moment, or is it? I, I'm just curious about how this process has been working. Well, people have not been allowed to be in the room together. So, I can answer that question, but it's not really because of the pandemic. A lot of the local DHS office in Tulsa was recently sold to 
I don't know. I forget who it was sold to, sold to another organization. So the staff who office downtown were displaced prior to the pandemic. So yeah, so that kind of puts an interesting spin on things. So they have been working from home and then the pandemic hit and then all staff across the board, or I say most staff across the board at DHS have been working from home. As a result of that, they have found that staff has been more productive, that they've had an increase in productivity, that staff has generally been able to do most of their job, if not all of their job from home. So many of the counties within Oklahoma have closed their state offices and the workers are working from home because of that. Hmm. I guess there are a lot of extroverts in that office. So they're getting more work done at home. (laughs) How has the pandemic affected what you all do? It's it's a challenge. We're we're making it through and we're kind of at the point of, of slowly reopening up. I have been working from home this entire time. I've been to the office a couple of times just to pick stuff up and sign checks and such. We did have to close the resource center for quite a while. We weren't accepting any donations. We weren't allowing people to come in and get any items. And then we slowly opened it back up to where we could have appointments requested and we would meet people at their car with the items that they need for the child. Donations are now being accepted. Now we're opening back up to the point of having the resource center open from nine to five on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is shorter than our typical hours, but it's better than nothing. And so people are able to come in and do their shopping. We're just asking that that people wear a mask if they are able to. We do have hand sanitizer available for them to use immediately when they walk in the door and when they leave. We ask that there's minimal touching. We do we do practice social distancing within the center. Our staff is wearing masks and we are sanitizing everything. On the hour, we have a cleaning schedule that we follow and everything all the way from the desk to pens that people write with are sanitized on a schedule throughout the day. So slowly we're getting back there, but we're bringing, we're, we have a lot of cautionary practices that we're putting into place. And Evan, can you talk a little bit about what it's like joining a new organization when you're in the middle of this sort of work from home life? Yeah, I can. It, it's been very probably the most unique hiring process I've ever <laughs> been a part of and the most unique job that I've ever done. I keep making this joke with Chris, her and I have not ever physically met yet. (laughs) Uh, I've met just about everybody else along Uh, with some of our great board members too that have been volunteering and stuff, but Chris and I have not actually met face to face yet. (laughs) So that's been, it's been interesting. And I've been, I started working from home from the get go and I've just started slowly transitioning into the office with our online scavenger hunt we've been doing for the past four weeks. I've been doing a lot of gathering from local friends and artists and stuff to donate to that and have all that at the office and everything. I do feel more productive working from home. And like if at eight o'clock at night, something hits me, I can type it in or three in the morning or Chris can speak to that some a little bit. I don't mean to throw (laughs) it back on that one, but uh, (laughs) it's nice to be able to, to have the freedom to do that, but also feel the passion of what you're doing Mm -hmm. and knowing that, the lives of children are being changed every day because of this work. And it's, it's a, it's a feel good, warm, fuzzy feeling. 
it's just a great fit. And we're just so excited to have him on board, even though, like he said, I have not met him in person yet, but it's, it was just, it's just a natural fit. And we're just, we're thrilled beyond belief. And there are many of those three o'clock in the morning work times. I, I did notice an email from you last night. That was like at 2 a.m. And I was like, <laughs> nice. Yep, you did. Uh, well, well, I can, uh, I can imagine that it would be very difficult for a child in foster care who is trying to, to fit in with a new family that may already have some siblings there, may already have some other children in fostering that it'd be very difficult for them to fully be themselves when they're trying to fit in. So are there resources that you provide to help the foster parents and help the children as well so that they can navigate those situations? There are foster parent groups that, that are available through DHS and through other organizations in Tulsa. At, at the resource center, we have talked in the past, and this is something that I really want to get going in the future is having activity times with a certain age group to do some sort of activity together. So they can be in the same room together. They can talk, they can have fun, no judgment, you know, nothing. Whether it's making a scrapbook or learning how to make balloon animals or doing makeovers or something like that. That's just a vision that we've had for a while and trying to build that community. That is part of our mission within the the children that we serve. And to, to try to get them as much support as we can, not just with adults, but among each other. Let me, so I want to I talk about branding and marketing and all of those things because, like, as Chris and I have talked about many times, like, the organization's name as of this moment, TAPC, not the easiest to remember, not the easiest just to explain to other people what you do. Walk us through the process of when you decided to change your name how you got the, I imagine it cost money to build a new website, to print new um, letterhead, to print new business cards, new t-shirts, whatever it is. <laughs> and then you also went through a process of coming up with a new name. Like I want, tell me the story of how this happened. My very first day with the organization three years ago, it was about actually three years ago. What's today? It was pretty much three years ago today. <laughs> I walked in the door and met my, my coworker at the time and pretty much was like, I'm going to change the name of the organization. <laughs> no disrespect to the folks who did name the organization, because at the time, the name fit what the organization did. It's just morphed over the years to do more, more community work, less work like at the Capitol doing actual advocacy work. So it's just, it's time for a change. And so that conversation lasted a couple of years, we had a lot of other business to take care of prior to changing our name. So with the new leadership that we had elected last January, with Emily being our board chair, this was her her goal was to get the name changed during her term as president, as board chair. So we threw around a lot of ideas. We did a lot of what I call brain splats, just throwing words that come to mind up on the board and trying to figure out what words go together, if we wanted an acronym, if we didn't want an acronym, we wanted to keep TAPC, the acronym, but change the words. I think, I don't remember who it was that came up with Fostering Connections, but we narrowed it down to like a list of three or four names and we voted and Fostering Connections was, was it. And everybody seems to really like it. It fits. There's many connotations 
to the name. Um, like I mentioned before, it could be fostering like child and foster care or fostering like helping and then building those connections in the community and with the, with the child's family. So with our new logo, we decided to remain or to continue with the heart one to, to honor the folks who did come up with and who did build Tapsy in the beginning the heart has always been a part of the logo. So we did want to honor that and the heart of the mission to keep that as part of, or as our, our logo, but with our new logo, it's, it's a mosaic. So it's all the pieces are there. They don't really fit perfectly, but they fit to make a heart. And there are four different colors within the mosaic. And each of those colors represent one of our programs. It's unique. It's, it's special. I love it. My mom's made a name as heart, so I have a, <laughs> a fascination with hearts anyway. It does become personal, but it's just we're, we're just real excited for the new look. Our uh, new website will be launched the day of the, um, the reveal as well. So tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, or, or a week ago for the people listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, we're going back in time, people. or maybe a month ago if they're listening to it a month from now. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> my podcasts are evergreen. So if you're, listen- if you're listening to this in 2021, you have missed this reveal <laughs> quite a bit. Jesse forged me one of your new brochures, and I do. I really like the way the logo ties together with the branding of your programs, and that it does feel very unified. The marketing together and it feels like it creates a a very unified vision. So just looking at that, it's very easy for me to see what, what you all do and what your purpose is. Our mission and our heart and everything stays the same with, with how we serve the families and our goal with um, trying to normalize the lives of the child as much as we can with what we do to help them. That all stays the same. Nothing about that changes. Our mission doesn't change. It's it's our look and we feel like, like you said, I mean, it, it makes us feel like we can move forward and have more opportunities with the new name and the, the new look and how everything does kind of fit together in a more unified way than, than what it was before. I'm really looking forward to, to moving forward with awareness of everything too with Fostering Connections. I mean, it just says so much and me coming in so new and just having fresh eyes and fresh ears and learning about the organization and everything. I see many more people like myself who had no idea what Tapsy was, but fostering connections just says it all. And the one color, I think that I don't know if it was planned this way. It probably wasn't. Chris and I haven't talked about this, but she talked about the four colors. The first thing I saw when I looked at the logo as with fresh eyes, not knowing anything else about it, was the gaps between the colors. Mm-hmm. And as this group, Fostering Connections, is filling in those spaces and is bringing that heart whole. And whether it's through any one of our four programs or anything like that, I call it kind of the fifth color there that connects us all together. And moving forward with connecting us with various other groups, and I'm really looking forward to expanding our reach and expanding not just in Tulsa, but in our surrounding Uh, communities to let people know, hey, we're here and we need your help. And we want to help a child feel loved and special. Yeah. Well, I I think the like the metaphorical difference between your old logo and your new logo is that it 
with the amount of pieces of that heart, it points out the fact that taking care of a child in the foster care system is not just about the things you can see, right? There are, there's so many different parts to making sure a, a child feels loved and taken care of and wanted that a lot of those things are not things people would necessarily think about, right? And the difference between the, the, the filled heart of the old website and the, the new one is like, it takes lots of different things. And some of those things are identifiable and some of those things might have to be explained to people. Absolutely. And I, I get questioned all the time and I'm sure Evan, you did as well Is how can you be a foster parent? I would get too attached to a child and I wouldn't be able to let them go. And my response typically is that's the point is to get too attached. You're not doing it right if you don't get too attached. And honestly, when and if a child does leave your home to either go live with a kinship family or to be adopted by another family or go back to bio family or whatever the reason, a couple of things. One, that whatever you have done in that child's life has made a, a huge impact and will never be um, forgotten either in their cognitive memory or their body memory. And then two, I tell people that the hurt that the child had with whatever it was that they experienced and then leaving the people that they trust to come into a totally unknown situation is far worse than whatever hurt and pain I may experience when the child does, when and if the child does leave. So um, looking at it that way, I kind of put it back on, on the person to kind of help them like rethink, like, yes, you do get too attached and it's okay. And there really is no such thing as too attached, but I understand what people are trying to say. It's okay. That's, that's the whole point is building that bond, building that trust with, with a, an adult. And then just uh, making sure you have your self care when the child, when and if the child does end up leaving and that way, hopefully that home will be open to accept more children in the future. Fostering Connections job is not to get more foster families. It's a calling. It's not for everyone. One of our points that I would just really want to reiterate is that if people want to, if people care about it, help, give. We have a texting platform. We have online giving, stuff like that to help continue us or to continue our work in the community because foster care is not for everyone. And going back to that question you asked earlier about what are the first steps of becoming a foster parent, if someone's interested, find a foster parent, talk to them. Because you might find out, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Or you might find out this is a calling you've had on your whole life. So that is a, a good segue into a question that we always kind of ask. And that's, how can, what is the best way for people to connect with you, to find out more about your organization, to find ways to help? And think in terms of fostering connections since since when this comes out, that'll be how they'll yeah. try to connect with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're, to you, community engagement. Yeah, yeah. You're building uh, all this stuff, Evan. Come on. I know. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I think one of the, the best ways for people to help now is to go to our website, go to our social media sites, go to our Facebook page or Instagram, whatever platform you choose and learn. Learn first and then give second. And whatever level that is that you can give, whether it's financially or of your time or a donation, we're working on a couple of different 
avenues coming up soon that are different ways that people can give, especially during social isolation and stuff like that, that we will be announcing on all those things. But it's more just about education, I think, and awareness first, and then to give later, because uh, it's so important, the work that we do, but we don't want people to just be happenstance about it. We want people that are passionate about what this means and developing relationships with us, fostering connections with people. (laughs) And different groups to really speak to what our mission is. And that's to provide for children. And if you care about providing for children, you can provide for children. I don't care if you make minimum wage or a million dollars a year, there's a way for you to help. And we can we can have your new website, social media profiles, things like that in our show notes as well to make sure yes. people can connect with you. Keyword search, code, show notes for Jesse later. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I, if there's a way to, I might be overstepping my bounds here, Chris, I don't know, but we really want to thank our board members and all our volunteers because a lot of our board is not, they're not foster parents. Some of the people on our board are not foster families. And we're always on the search for more folks that don't necessarily feel it a calling to be a foster parent, but see the need and realize that these kids are, these children are everywhere in our community, in our churches, in our homes, in our mosques, our synagogues, whatever. They're everywhere. And it's our job to take care of them. Shout out to Emily, who connected me to this organization in the first place. Absolutely. who, Who also, for some reason actually enjoyed those 7 a.m. coffee meetings we had. <laughs> anyway. Poor Jesse. He's just not a morning person. I'm not. I'm not a morning person. Uh, this pandemic is not making that easier. So our final thing, again, normally in the before times, when we would have people to my studio to record this podcast, and we would normally end with having our guests like look around my nerd cave and pick out something that either like calls to them or that they're, they've been staring at the entire time and want to know what it is in these remote interviews. We've sort of been asking people, what are they doing when they're not working, which uh, for nonprofit people is never, but when you're not working, especially during this pandemic, staying at home, what did I call it last time, Chris, like your pop culture, um, pop, pop culture, junk food. Something like, something like that, yeah, yeah. Your pop, your pop culture junk food. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to to relax, to just decompress yourself and not, yeah. Well, I just finished watching a documentary series on Apple TV called Visible. If you haven't seen it, it's very eye opening. Uh, it's based on the culture of the LGBTQ community and television and movies over the past 50, 60 years, and. It gives you kind of a backstory of all the shows that I watch reruns of. I mean, they were talking about Golden Girls, which is yeah, time go to bed, go to bed show, and then music too. I just love listening to music as loud as I can in the car sometimes. <laughs> and with my younger children, they are huge Taylor Swift fans, so I'm becoming quite a Taylor Swift aficionado these days. Listen, she, she writes catchy tunes, she does. so she does. can't deny it. <laughs> I also like to cook with my kids and cook for my kids. It's kind of a relaxing thing. I don't like cleaning up, but um, I do like cooking and experimenting and not following recipes and seeing if it still tastes good. There you go. So so we know Evan would have chosen my Funko Pop Golden Girls that you might be able to see behind I, me, I but maybe those. not. I have those okay. in my house as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. Love me some Golden Girls. All right. How about, how about you, Chris? So I am home all day, every day with five children, ages eight and under. 
So you so, don't have any free time. Got it. All right. I don't have any free time. I am able to get to my computer to do maybe 10 minutes of work here and there during the day. By the time they go to sleep, I'm exhausted. So I go to bed pretty early. And then I do get up a couple of hours in the middle of the night and knock out. To send emails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many people received emails in the middle of the night last night. So it's like, um, you know, what was the last TV show you watched from beginning to end? Oh my gosh. Oh boy. Paw Patrol. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Paw Patrol, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, so my husband and I, after all the kids do go to bed, we, we do record some shows that we watch and we make time to, to do that. So we do record and we'd like to watch some Datelines. Yeah, I like Datelines and he has a lot of sports shows that he records and we watch and so. What are these sports you speak of? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's in absolute denial that there may be no sports and yeah. he's just. Is he, is, he, is he watching Korean baseball? He I know that's on. anything that is on. Anything. <clears throat> anything. Golf? Uh, sports. Even yeah. golf? Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he'll watch he watched, I guess there were NBA players doing a virtual basketball game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. A virtual yeah. virtual game of horse, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. He, he was all over that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 But, I mean, but really, I mean, and all honestly, it, it is, it is fun. It is challenging because we're not used to all being together 24 seven without school, without taking the kids to daycare or school or anything and me going to work. But we do get out every now and then and we'll, we'll drive around the lake. We'll pack everybody in the car, go get ice cream, go drive around, go run errands and stuff. I've made a few lake trips myself. Have the summer yeah. through it. <laughs> yep. Get out of the house and get out yeah. of the yeah. town for a minute. Get out of the city for a minute. Yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah I, I was going, yeah, I was going real crazy when we were in like the, the full phase zero lockdown, I guess in April, mostly. I was, I was very unhappy. I was like just trapped here in my, even though you think I would love being trapped in my nerd studio. I was not, I was like, I need people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a total extrovert and that's been probably the, the hardest part of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Twice in April, I got to see my co-host Chris for like five minutes were like the, the best two days of that month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was delivering a microphone. Great. I was like, I was like beaming for days apparently. Uh, so, well, again, thank you both for taking time to talk to us about the incredibly important work you do. And we'll make sure to list all the, all the new stuff in the show notes and tell people that like, they don't have to become foster parents to help you. There's many different things they need. And especially if they have kids themselves, they probably have, decently good things that they could uh, donate to you. Cause like how many car seats are just sitting in people's garages right now? Like good quality car seats. As long as they're expired. That's right. That's right. But like things for kids are expensive. And a lot of times they just stay in people's extra bedrooms or garages or wherever, or if they have the money, just buy a new one for you. Mm -hmm. So, cause new things are good too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and learn more about what we do and especially the need out there. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed our conversation with Chris and Evan. Again, there are many ways you can help foster families here in Tulsa. You don't have to become one yourself, but they are in need of 
items. They are in need of, of your time. They're in need of your ability to sort things. So please look at our show notes for all the different ways you can get involved. And as always, please subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And if you're feeling real helpful, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And maybe if we get enough, I'll read them on the air. And what for feels like the 100th time I've said this, even though it's only been like five, don't forget, wash your hands and get it done, Tulsa. Tulsa.